Welcome to Untapped Higher Education. Welcome to Untapped Higher Education. Uh, I'm your host, Wes Hallam, and today I'm delighted to be joined by uh, Dr. Laura Mason from the University of Swansea. She's an associate professor in exercise physiology. I've known Laura for quite some time, and I wanted to get onto the podcast to have a chat with her about a really innovative way that she's been introducing virtual reality into her uh, into her course. So, Laura. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Wes. Uh, yeah, thank you for thank you for the invitation, and look look forward to chatting. Uh, well, given that over the last few years I have uh, waxed lyrical about your use of VR um, to lots of other higher ed institutions and instructors, I thought may as well make uh, may as well uh, get you actually onto this so that we can talk a little bit more about what you actually do. So, um, can you tell us a little bit more about? what the what the VR project is and, and how you use it at the moment. Yeah, so so at the moment, um, our, I guess our most recent update to the project is over the last two years, we've been really capitalising on a institution-wide um, collaborative relationship with the University of Canberra in, in Australia. Um, so that has allowed us to access a little pot of funding, which has um meant that we can transfer a application which is the one that you've been talking about for for years um from htc vive over to oculus quest and um, so that's allowed us to sort of recreate the app um i guess rebrand it as a dual dual badged app between our two institutions and has allowed us to to really kind of i guess up our game in terms of how we're able to utilize the app for um, students both in in Swansea and over in Canberra as well. And just to just to kind of go take a little step back from from that. So, what does the app do? So, for somebody who doesn't doesn't know what you what you might be doing in exercise physiology, what would what what's the app trying to to do? What do the students do within it? Right very good question start at the beginning and um, so the the app is for um a module that i teach which is a first year module um in human anatomy so the module is taken by students that are studying sport and exercise science but also by those that do maths and sports science and those that do biomedical engineering so as as we sort of sit within the faculty of science and engineering so we we teach anatomy to a broad kind of range of students who might need that for their for their program so the the app is designed initially you know our, our original version only was about the skeletal system so effectively it was um an app where students could go in go into virtual reality so importantly it's an immersive virtual reality so it's one where they've got a headset they've got their controllers and when they've got that on it's as if they are not in the location that they're in so completely immersive um and they they go in and they have a um a big pile of bones and they assemble themselves a hu human skeleton and as they do it it's got elements of gamification so they answer questions about you know what each bone is is called so really the idea was to help them to to learn names of bones with um the skeletal system over the years we've we've added in um muscles so it now has a sort of second um, second kind of element within the app where they also then um, put muscles on and again you know label them and we can have questions around um, what are the the origin and the insertion points and what kind of movements those particular muscles might enable the skeleton to do. 
Uh, that makes that makes perfect sense. The you see quite a lot of, uh, of it, particularly in these kind of subjects which are dealing with with anatomy. You sort of got two extremes. Really, you've got kind of live images of here is a real body and here's something like that, and often not necessarily in the best nick because if they're a cadaver tool or something like that, you know, muscles don't look like that all the time. And then you've got sort of the anatomical model, the atlas model, where everything is very cartoony. Um, so where did you decide to to fall in terms of, of that visual approach? What did you what did you end up deciding to do? Yeah, so the the, the visual approach is not cadaver, so it's, they're not cadaver images. Um, so for our students, I, I don't really feel and, and I didn't feel that when we were first creating it that that was necessarily needed. Um, so obviously the sort of history of of medical students using anatomy it is important that they that they can obviously picture tissues as as that tissue actually is and um, less so for our students so it's much more about you know where are the muscles what are they called and what do they do so it's much more about you know if i'm if i'm training somebody to be able to you know do this particular movement pattern which muscles are involved in that in that movement pattern so it's much more around you know the location and the name and 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 less so about them actually being able to to ever you know cut up a body they're not going to be surgeons so they, they, they don't need necessarily that end of it and i guess to an extent that comes with gore that might potentially kind of put off some students so we went kind of down the middle so um the muscles are individual so that's the, the kind of key benefit from looking at a very 2d um diagram as we would see you know in in a in a textbook or on, on a powerpoint slide because what we what we know from that is particularly if you look at you know if we take the the muscles of of your sort of your, your lower legs so say we're sort of quadriceps we're looking at a um at a anterior view of of you know your upper thigh what we see when we see all of our muscles is we can see little bits of some of the muscles that are deeper and then we can see all of the muscles that are on the surface and you don't get necessarily a very clear um understanding that actually nearly all of the muscles that exist in that bit of your leg run the full length from top to bottom because of the movement pattern and they just overlay each other so it's very difficult to be able to to picture the shape and the orientation of each individual muscle from a diagram where other muscles are on top so this really allows that kind of 3d spatial understanding where the students can kind of go right at the at the most deep level these are the muscles, this is where they're going to start and finish. And oh, actually, if you think about it, it starts here and it finishes here and it contracts, that's the type of movement pattern that that is going to initiate. So that that's really important for the students to kind of be able to, to understand that and grasp that. I, th I think it, especially for something which is so hidden and, and you're right, the vast majority of, of all reference material to these things are in 2D, really difficult to kind of conceptualise it. And that's sort of something that, that I think VR in general gives more possibilities to because it, it allows you to, to think in that 3D space. Well, it almost forces you to think in that 3D space and some people might find that uh, a challenge to suddenly go and think in that 3D space, and some people see it as a big opportunity for it. Um, I'd be interested to, to, to obviously, you've been running this for six years now, six seven years, which yeah. is is uh, it was wonderful, by the way. Um, obviously, you've got new students coming in each year, 
and uh, VR tech in general is has become a little bit more common during that time period, but is still not widespread. It's still, you know, for, for personal use, it's quite a uh, an expensive piece of kit to, to go and introduce. What have the students kind of, these are first year students coming in, so what's their reaction been um, to to using VR in this way? And have you seen any change in the, the students from when you started doing this to now? Yeah, 100% there's been a change. Um, so from the, from the beginning, so first first few years of running this, every person that, that, that put on the headset, you would get a real like, wow, this is amazing. Like it would be a real genuine first experience of virtual reality for the vast majority of the students. And you would get that real. I I, I still do enjoy watching people go, in, go into the app for the first time because you do, you do still get that. Um, but... It, that was that was like 99% of the students in you know the first couple of years of doing this would be this would be absolutely their first experience of virtual reality and they would be wowed um that is less hard, harder to impress now um but I would say the last couple of years you do still get those students um and you do still get people that have they've never never experienced virtual reality but you also get a, a big chunk of people who are you know spending time gaming in these environments and are really really familiar um I, I don't know if that really affects how they actually engage with the with the sort of learning experience in the app but it definitely impacts their kind of first impressions and to an extent their ability to actually you know do things in virtual reality I think those that and we found this even a few years ago that those that were you know heavy into their gaming and we're used to controllers where you could pick things up and move things about picked up the actual technique side of of what the task was within virtual reality much faster whereas those who you know really didn't didn't do that in their spare time were were kind of a bit more you know they would they would be much more stationary you could you could really tell about how much people moved around in the environment and I still see that. So I, I taught I taught students yesterday morning, and even just in one room where we've got maybe like ten of them, you have some students who are absolutely you know moving a huge amount, arms all over the place, and are on are talking while they're doing it. And then you get others who are really stationary and just look a little panicked. But that and that still exists. But definitely over the years, the the wow, the really big wow factor has diminished. Let's say. <laughs> Which is a shame. Well, you know, your, your, your students are all spoiled now. That's that's the problem there. VR is just so so last year. Clearly, <laughs> it's a it's something actually that that has cropped up more and more um, when uh, when I've been talking to different different academics and things. The I think there's been a bit of a more of a recognition that that gaming and that kind of gamification and that that recognition that students will have played games from a very young age or the vast majority of them in some way shape or form like even if you don't you know spend four hours a night playing Fortnite with your mates or whatever whatever the, the you know the the gaming in inverted commas kids might be doing everyone's played a game on the phone everyone's everyone's done you know we have all spent some time playing games at, at some point. Even the most Luddite of people will do a word search on their phone kind of thing. Um, and it's watching that that flow of students and particularly that knowledge and that learned knowledge come into the university estate and understanding how to how to utilize that. Like 
VR is a is is at one end of the spectrum for 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 people who are gaming, but we tend to see more and more uh, more and more academics trying to to work their way into this gamification process. I, I remember when the when the term gamification sort of came out, well, started to really be talked about sort of maybe sort of ten years ago, fifteen years ago, and it was very much. Uh, I think it was poo-pooed a bit by the academic community in its in its nascency. What do you think? Do you think that that is shifting now? That gamification is more is more accepted in in the higher ed community now. Um, I would say so. Um, I think I think as a discipline, sport and exercise science is probably a little different to maybe some of the others because I think probably as a as a group of academics, we're probably faster to embrace that than maybe some of the other more you know inverted commas traditional um disciplines so i would say that you know i, I think that myself and my, and my colleagues probably have been trying to in you know in, introduce elements of gamification for for quite a little while um even if it's just the sort of you know your basic quizzes and your cahoots within lecture theater just to sort of break up you know you know the, that kind of big big lecture but i do think that it is it is probably growing and it is probably there's probably wider range of examples and probably a wider tool set available for staff to actually access and and are probably signposted a little better to those and um, with with the sort of cpd and the, those types of activities i think it is a little bit more i guess promoted and encouraged um would would, would probably the best and, and probably expected maybe by the students as well so i i think they would not be in any way surprised to see those sorts of things coming into the lectures whereas maybe going up going back a few years those will be the sort of exception to the rule yeah and you I, I think you're totally right the you know all the, the fact that all you know major tech companies all social media apps all things that students do on a daily basis are all gamified outside of the education space yeah. you are right there will be a an expectation that they'll get you know little dopamine hits of oh well you know the, the, the little congratulations or the little notification bubbles and sometimes i feel like when they come into higher education if that's not there but potentially you know you, you might be right they be expecting that that's how you know mm -hmm. our motivational systems are trained you know they they're not they're not innate necessarily and if you've been using all these systems for for so long that continually give you that gamification it could be quite a jarring a jarring gap that um that it's not there in a in a course yeah i i do wonder whether you know our our brief enforced period of online learning maybe accelerated that a little bit we'll not we'll not say the word but um i do i do think maybe to an extent there was that kind of well look you know you're looking at people and you know that they're on a on a device of some type because that's how they're accessing you know the lecture why not you know so i think we went from a don't ask them to take out the phones during a lecture because they'll be gone they're doing something else they're not doing what you've asked them to do which i don't ever think was true but i think that that you know enforced hiatus to online it probably did accelerate a little bit perhaps some of those you know exception that 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 was something that you know that was an easy way to try and engage students in what was a really difficult to engage environment so, so perhaps perhaps the staff that were not necessarily pre-pandemic 
using a lot of this perhaps have, have kept it with if they did introduce it um yeah perhaps I think it's one of the things you you said before about sort of your your discipline being a little uh, keener to to go and adopt new sort of newer processes. Love a game. Love a game. <laughs> love a game. Um, but I think it's quite interesting to think that I think when you guys were were sort of exploring this and looking at it, there probably wasn't a huge amount of off the shelf resources that could help you do it you know i don't know that many that many um programs who would go into looking to develop a a vr app to in order to do the things that you're doing mm -hmm. but, but at the time there wasn't going to be any of that infrastructure around to to help you like like you said with cpd and things like that there there wasn't a recognition i think that there is now of okay here's how you introduce a small amount of gamification i think a lot of people who maybe are still a bit resistant to the idea of bringing this element of play into in, into a course maybe have got the, the the precognition that they have to do it all themselves that they have to design the game they have to design the rules and the scoring and all of that stuff where you know your your suggestion of doing a kahoot in a class has it's you know there's a brand name associated with it there's a software associated with it there you go it's a kahoot it's like to google yeah. something you know we wouldn't go back to think oh you know pre-google times it's just you can do a kahoot you can do a socrative there's lots of options available now to bring small levels of interaction and, and play into into teaching where we probably didn't think that it was possible to do it before i mean i i will hold my hands up my my degree was in politics and philosophy so not a huge amount of audience interaction well, a massive game isn't it well, mm, yeah yeah but it was quite difficult i mean you know some time ago i can't really imagine a quick fire quiz on you know which philosopher which 17th century philosopher said this and like it wouldn't necessarily be the same kind of vibe and i could totally understand why there'd be resistance from from that field but actually there's lots of other ways now i think of looking at introducing this kind of learning as play or gamification or whatever terminology we end up using for it this this decade because it always seems to, to rotate around um but just to sort of take it back to your to your students and, and to to how this has worked what do you think the the impact has been on the way that your students are learning have you have you seen kind of uh improvements or changes or, or differences as they've sort of started to work through with with this kind of gamified vr um experience um yeah i, I would say for, for me the real overall big positive is that because they're immersed in this environment they are completely distraction free they are in it and that is the task that they are doing when they are in there so it is not something where you know you're you're trying to teach something and potentially you know there's there's other other sort of things going on around them which distracts them so it is very because of its immersive nature basically they've got one thing to do when they're in there and it's complete this task so they become completely engaged and immersed um with that task which in itself is something really difficult to achieve i would say and in lots of in lots of other avenues of life that that you know complete immersion in in something and because it's i guess to an extent it's active learning isn't it it's the, probably the most you know active individual learning that they can be doing so that they're doing a task which requires them to think things through 
make decisions and it gives them feedback because it will tell them yes this is wrong or right when they you know are trying to label things so it gives them that kind of immediate you know right or wrong as well so i think even just from a sort of basic things that you need for learning i think it ticks a lot a lot of those boxes um, and it does allow them it's not sort of time pressured so they can work through it at their own pace they can make mistakes and those mistakes are you know consequent free so it, it does allow them to kind of to really experiment with with this sort of environment in a very kind of immersive and you know individual way so that I, th I think that does help their learning and I, I think that is kind of shown in their responses to it and their uptake of you know re repeat visits to, to come and have another go and, and to try and use it as a learning tool for their you know for their understanding and you know of of these these two systems um, within anatomy. It's really interesting you do mentioning the immersive nature of it there because it kind of calls back to what you were saying before of the mentality pre pre hiatus we'll call it pre hiatus of phone of phones in a lecture theater of the devil and i think i think that that really calls back to a lack of control and that that era of well if they if their phone is out there's no way that they're paying attention to me in my lecture um which it's probably fair that you know the entire world at somebody's fingertips is probably might be slightly more interesting than than the regression lines or or, or uh, i was very bad at stats when i when i was at, uh, <laughs> when i did my first year of university so i've always got a got a got a, an axe to grind on that one but um it when something is viewed as fully immersive and the activity is the thing it's not a it's not a an adjacent it's not a competing factor we're not we're not in a lecture and asking the students to go to a a link to go onto a page to go and do a quiz or do something external to paying attention it's a very different experience for for them because you know if for, for listeners who have not used vr yet it is all encompassing um you you can't really perceive anything else and i'm sure you've probably had lots of students walking into stuff and bumping into things at various times and have to clear the floor out the way because it is an entirely an entirely immersive experience and maybe the view of of, of viewing it in that way of, of of vr kind of shutting out all of the distractions as opposed to it being an addition you know like a phone what would have been viewed three years ago or four years ago that that maybe that that changes the way that people are 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 thinking about it, and it's it's really encouraging to hear students coming back in multiple times because th there will be people who will listen to this and go, "Well, it's just a gimmick." Yeah, the, oh, this is just a gimmick. Someone's trying to get some, you know, just trying to get good student student scores or NSS scores because oh, they get to use some fancy VR. Um, but actually. As a learning tool, it seems to be having quite a big impact on students coming back and, and using it as such. Would yeah. that be a fair? Would, would that be a fair? Yeah, no, that, that absolutely is fair. Um, and, and I think we, I mean, we're lucky at Sorante because of the, the the amount of resource that we have in this space. Um, so we have, you know, we have technicians and, and they run something called a VR cafe, which is um, effectively a sort of drop-in session where students right across the faculty can come and use the virtual reality kit for, for kind of anything they want 
but students visit that and they visit that and they use the application in their free time um, obviously students that have their own VR kit can can use it in their free time as well um, so you know we do see and, and the students will ask me you know well how do I you know how do I get more of this and how can I kind of use this you know outside of the designated session um, so that is it's definitely something that they want and that they they request um, you know what I tend to get actually is can we have more of the systems so obviously at the at present we've got skeletal and we've got muscular systems but that's that's not the syllabus of the module so that there are some there's some significant systems missing and that's what you know that's what they ask for they want they want more so I, I think they definitely do see that value um and and want to have it I guess across across the rest of the module which is you know pleasing to see um but a challenge <laughs> in terms of our um our time for our um our development team um, absolutely the having having been into multiple uh kind of nursing schools and and a p courses i have yet to find a way that the endocrine system is taught in an exciting and and vibrant way because students look at it and go i don't understand this and sometimes the lecturers who've got to teach it go it's just, it's not the most exciting thing in the world but it's very important so that would that would be my vote if you're going to be doing this for you know for yeah, wider, wider where the gap is right. it's, it's, it's uh it's all in the endocrine system um but yeah it, it's a it's a really it's a really innovative way of looking at something that is that is traditionally very there's a lot of a and p resources that are out there in the world um you know the publishers all make them there are there are medical medical institutions that make lots of things in there but this is sort of the first the first thing that i've ex i've really encountered where it's that focuses on that experiential learning part and um, normally what tends to happen is there's lots of videos out there you know there'll be a, a video fly through of something and it'll be it'll be nice and it'll be animated and it'll, it'll, it'll look really pretty but it doesn't put the student in an active learning um position so just to just to kind of maybe look at how the thinking behind developing this came came into being and how that might be be useful for other people how did you actually come to the decision that that this would be the right route forward for, for for you to develop into and for students to develop into. where did where did that idea kind of come from um, I, I guess the initial idea came from the faculty itself you know taking the the fair, in fairly early you know 2016 2017 fairly early into this you know biting the bullet and saying this is something that we that we want to do um and it struck me as a really nice way of just helping information go in. I mean, you talk about you know all of the all of the resources there aren't. You're completely right. There are vast amounts of resources around A and P, but particularly the kind of the anatomy side of it. What we really need is students to just be able to, in a really basic way, know what stuff is called, and that's a really quite a difficult thing to try and get people to to learn. And particularly if you're not someone that can sort of look at an image of a, a skeleton with some labels and then, you know, mentally picture that and go, this was called this, this was called this. So it was really about initially providing, I guess, diverse ways for the students to learn the same thing, 
so that hopefully for all of them they'd find a way which worked and I guess through our experiment over you know over the the sort of six years what we found is actually it seems to work for a lot of them um, because of these kind of you know things that we've discussed in terms of it being immersive and active and and actually because they can engage with it and they and they want to engage with it that's half the battle isn't it you know to to have you know to have a resource and have a way that they can learn where actually it's fun and they're engaged in the process does just help that stuff go in um you know it's, it's everything that we we sort of know from you know from pedagogy research isn't it really that the fundamental is you know trying to get people to engage in the first place is you know is is really the the big one the um the fact that you have people asking to go and do this outside of lecture time at a time where most most courses are struggling with attendance at all is a really encouraging sign for for how something like this um can work uh, it's I wanted to pick up just quickly on what you said about that kind of diversity in ways to learn because that's a really interesting angle that I hadn't thought about this uh, this before you know there's there's a, a lot of outdated models of how students learn and admittedly every 10 or 15 years or so it seems that we we eschew the last model and move on to to the new latest and greatest I remember being having the visual audio and kinesthetic learner paradigm rammed down my throat for quite a long time that subsequently has turned out to not be real um but i'm pretty sure a good chunk of my education as a child was based on that very very model there um so i'm always i'm always a little hesitant about a wide wide scale sweeping change to to one particular model or another but that that idea around diversity in the ways of learning i think is becoming really important now we have a much wider body of students who have had a much wider range of experience than ever before that it's becoming you know there is less and less defense available for delivering a course in a traditional way there are much fewer barriers to creating something interesting and engaging and you're right it has to be engaging and if the topic matter that you're looking at maybe isn't the most engaging say for example with which bone is this or which muscle group is this i'm sure you must you will find it very interesting it's kind of your job to find it interesting but a a maths and sports science student may be less interested in the tendons that connect the quadriceps to other bits um well, well naturally interested anyway and so you went and found a way to engage students in a topic that isn't isn't inherently interesting but it's necessary that i think that's something that people should be thinking more about do you it's it, what i find interesting when you mentioned that diverse that, that that diversity angle is that you kind of started out with we want to find a way to engage a few students in this but actually it's become something that lots of people have engaged with do you do you feel like the demands from students are changing are they are they requesting more things in this sort of 
post hiatus period um, that we that, that we won't mention. Um, are they are they different in some way? Do you think? Um, I do, and I think that point that you made around you know the, the fact that we are struggling to engage students in lots of things. Um, I think like most institutions, we do we're struggling post hiatus with getting students physically in a lecture theatre. So to actually, you know, to come consistently to, you know, large scale um, lectures, for instance, is definitely more difficult. Um, so I do think that um, we we have to do more and we have to, you know, try and find ways of of not saying, well, if you don't come, you're not going to learn. I think we need to be able to say, right, well, if if you don't want to learn like this, how do you want to learn? And providing those opportunities um, that that students are are looking for. I think my approach to my module has been to to do lots of different things, um, so that, like you say, students that have um, gone through their education having quite different experiences we sort of hope by the time they come to university that they they have a, a reasonably good understanding of how they like to engage or how they like to learn you know aside from you know outdated learning styles i would i would hope that they would know like i find this type of thing engaging so i'll gravitate towards that and another person might go well actually you know that's not for me i i'd rather kind of get my information in this format over here and you know we do still get students who you know write streams of notes and rewrite their notes and and that's how they get information in and that those those students still exist so what i would think was quite an old school way of learning something with you know flashcards and, and students will go i've got my notes and they'll come with little packs of flashcards and go oh wow you, people still do that but we get we get we get diversity and i think the students um for the most part know by the time they come to university what what they would like from that experience and maybe that's part of their choice of which university they they go to is what what we kind of provide for them in that regard but i think it's i think the diversity is key if we're going to accept that our student body is diverse and i, I think we need to accept that I, I think you're right. There's. I'm going to ask you a a hard question now, actually, about that Sorry. because I I know you've been doing quite a lot of you do quite a lot of work into um, into pedagogy and, and and research. I know you got kind of published in in that space. Um, do you think there's going to be a? And I promise it's the last question because it is a toughie. Mm -hmm. um, is there a clash then between the student choice of the students coming and arriving and they said you're hoping that they've made made some conclusions about how well they learn is there a clash between that and then the pedagogy research that says one way might perform better than another is do you think those two things can exist in the same space or is there always going to be a, a tension between the two of them? Like, as you said, the student going and making all those notes and flashcards might not be the most effective way to learn about a certain topic. And we've got research to to back that up. Do Is there a conflict between those two things or do you have to give the students agency over everything else? What, what do you think? 
I think that we've got a responsibility as a university to try and allow students to experiment and to, you know, grapple with what is the best way that they they probably come, as I said, with I think an idea. Whether they've necessarily formed the idea through exposure to other options is not necessarily um always going to be the case so I, I think particularly for me as a sort of very you know um first semester first year module in this case with you know ballpark 180 students i think it's a nice way of being able to show the students that what options are available and then if they decide that they want to go back to their flashcards and actually that's better for them absolutely fine but I think it's our responsibility to be able to show them that actually there are different ways of experiencing um, this this type of this type of thing and in different ways that they can learn and hopefully that allows them to you know across their three years or their four years to you know tailor their experience towards what works for them I think if we think about you know the, the overall they're probably a bit too philosophical the overall idea of a university is to try and get our graduates to be you know to go out into the world and know how to be you know lifelong learners that's what we want right we want to try and you know produce produce that kind of um level of enthusiasm in you know in education and in in, in knowledge so i guess that's kind of part of that is trying to go right across your degree let's expose you to lots and lots of different ways in which you can learn so that hopefully you continue to learn once you're out the door, hopefully for the rest of your life. That would be, that's probably a little bit uh, pie in the sky, but that that's, that's, I think, probably what we would all say we're aiming for. I told you it was a good question. Um, that's, that makes a huge amount of sense. Uh, it, it's always a, I think especially given the last few years that we've had, um, there has really only been one horse in town for a lot of these students in terms of how they've learned. And even then, it's been pretty it's a, disjointed is probably the best way of putting it in, in jumping between, you know, lots of different, although different teaching formats, the teaching style has been pretty much the same. It's one way that's that's just how it's had to be so giving them you're right giving them more opportunity to experience different methods of learning is probably going to take precedence over you know a a research paper that says this one thing at one point in time with one group of, of people from a single sample uh obviously i'm i know the pedagogy research papers take a little bit more care than just that but ultimately the student body changes every year and the preferences change and so giving them as much opportunity as possible to experience different methods is probably going to take precedence i would imagine um unfortunately that is all we've got time for um i would talk to you about this all day as you know i would talk to you about this all day um but i just wanted to kind of get your final thoughts really about if there's an academic who's maybe facing a similar challenge to to 
to what you had of there's a there's a, a knowledge problem or an engagement problem that their students are having if you had to give them one piece of advice about potentially introducing this this very different approach to um to teaching and to learning what would it what would it be if you had somebody in a similar situation what piece of if you could give them one piece of advice what would it be I think it would probably be just to take the plunge. Um, I think the key the key thing that I haven't done or we haven't done at Swansea is we haven't taken the easy option and there are easy options available. So there are off-the-shelf options that you can use for, you know, teaching virtual reality, teaching anatomy and virtual reality. And that's not what we did, but it is it is an option. So you you know you don't have to, you know do this stuff yourself you don't have to be a vr developer you know these things are available and i think the key take-home message would just be your students will appreciate you trying something new um you know and and go on and experiment with them i couldn't agree more experimentation breeds all sorts of of, of exciting new approaches and results and and questions which is always always good um i'd just like to say thank you so much um, laura it's been an absolute pleasure having you on here i think the the work that you've done pre predated a lot of the off-the-shelf stuff that exists and i think it it's kind of testament to the work that you and your department have put in to to really drive this yourself and to see the impact that that has on on students and um i would certainly recommend uh, i know you you put some things up on linkedin about this the other day so to anybody listening to go and have a look at, at laura's profile and go and see some of the work that, that's been done there because it's it is fascinating um but um all that's left to say is is thank you again laura it's been an absolute pleasure and i've really enjoyed having you on the on the podcast all right thank you guys much appreciate it Thanks for making it to the end of this episode of Untapped Higher Education. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a like or a rating as it helps us to share the podcast with more people. If you'd like to find out more about the topics that we're discussing or get breakdowns of these interviews, you can visit the blog for Untapped, which is available in the show notes. And if you have any suggestions for topics or areas that we should be covering, please don't hesitate to get in touch. I'll see you in the next one.